Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Reaching Out Radio International and this week's live broadcast of The Way of Healing. My name is Susan Brozak. I'm a licensed clinical Christian psychotherapist and founder of Healing Word Psychotherapy Services, my private practice. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Tonight we're going to be looking at part two of a two-part series called Changing Your Mind how understanding and renewing your mind can transform your life. As we discussed last week, how you think about your life directly affects how you feel about it. So when we hear the phrase, renew your mind, it may sound familiar to a lot of us as believers, but do we really understand what that means and how do we do that? Do we recognize the importance and the power of our thoughts and also our words? So tonight, which will be the second half of the two-part series, we'll be continuing to look at a compromised mind versus a healthy mind. We'll be unpacking the concept that words are exposed thoughts, and we'll look at the power of curses and blessings a bit more, and we'll focus, especially tonight, on negative expectations, and what is meant by these. We'll talk about inner vows, and we'll, ha- we'll talk further about how to transform your mind so that's truly in line with the Word of God. Our mind is a battlefield, and we need to know how to fight this battle victoriously. So let's just do a brief review on some of the key scripture verses um, that have been central to this broadcast. And um, we stated them last week, and I'll reiterate them right now for you. So from Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verses 15 to 16, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And you can look up the other scriptures in the sake of time later on. Again, there's a passage from Ephesians 4, 15 to 16. And James 3, verse 9 through 10 says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. And verse 10 says, Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Um, and Matthew 15:17 through 20 tells us, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile him. And then from Colossians uh, chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may now know how you ought to answer 
each person. So these are some scriptures that we looked at last month um, just as laying sort of foundation regarding the importance of our thoughts and then um, how they become our words that we speak and the implications and the ramifications of what those words can do in our own lives and in the lives of other people. Um, So just wanted to um, kind of circle back to those as we start out again tonight um, and lay um, our foundation for this evening's broadcast as we continue with part two. Um, So given that we've gone over those, I want to kind of start out tonight with a phrase that might sound strange, but it has a lot of wisdom in it, and it's, um, it's called Our Ears Are Our Spiritual Mouth. And I'll explain what I mean by this. So given that title, it is necessary for us to build up our spiritual defense system such that we are not prone to any of the enemy's schemes. And we do that by listening to God's word. For as scripture says in Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if we really need to give thought to and consideration of reading our Bibles out loud at times. And the reason for that is because when we speak out what we're reading, there's a double reinforcement that can happen. And the pastor of the church I attend just spoke about this this past Sunday um, about the importance of speaking out the word of God. So we should listen to the preaching of God's word, and in that way our ears become our spiritual mouth in the sense that our ears swallow the food of the word of God. And then it goes down into our heart and our spirit to give us spiritual nourishment, which then becomes spiritual strength and wisdom. So basically, to sum that up, When we're listening to the truth of God's word, we're taking that into our hearts and into our spirit. And then when we digest that, we're able to then speak it back out in a way that is, can minister to others, can minister to ourselves and our own soul. And um, when we speak out the living and active word of God, um, things happen on on a different level than if we just read it silently to ourselves. It's fantastic to read the Bible silently. Please don't uh, misunderstand what I'm saying. But when we take it to that next level of faith, when you can speak out the word, especially in times when you need to hear it spoken, even if you're speaking it yourself, that can really um, be sort of an impetus to furthering the fact that it's getting into your heart and then it's emphasizing its importance in your spirit, man, because not only are you thinking it and reading it, but you're speaking it out loud. So that's kind of what we mean by our ears can become our spiritual mouth. We're taking in those truths, and then we're able to digest them and then speak them back out um, when the Lord calls us to, and the Holy Spirit will bring that to mind, um, especially in our time of need. Um, which is so key and so important. And he reminds us of all of the verses that we've, we've taken time to memorize or even parts of verses that we've taken time to remember and memorize. He'll bring those back to our recollection 
um, in those moments when we need it the most, and that's uh, the Holy Spirit, the Greek word being parakletos, our comforter. He comes alongside of us, and he's there in our hour of need to encourage, exhort, uh, build us up, admonish, um, all those things that we might need. Um, And so the more that we deposit into ourselves via reading the word, and also speaking it out, the more that the Holy Spirit has to draw on um, to bring comfort to us when we need it. So the next part that I want to talk about, and I I alluded to this in the introduction a few minutes ago, is this concept um, called negative expectations. So I just want to give you a brief definition of what that is, and then I'll go on to give some examples of this. And this is something that is kind of at the core of, What I do in my therapy practice as a cognitive behavioral therapist, which basically means um, that how you think determines what you feel and then how you act, it goes back to scripture. It goes back to the verse that says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if we have a belief system, and if that belief system is false or faulty or maybe only partly true, and if that's the belief system that we live our lives based upon, we can possibly go a bit off of the main trajectory. We can go a bit astray if what we believe is not lining up with the plumb line of the word of God. So I'm going to explain to you this concept of negative expectations, which most of us probably have dealt with on some level or another at multiple times in our lives. Uh, It's a very common um, unhealthy thinking pattern. And then we'll process through how to adjust those and to help you align them with what God God says is true. So a negative expectation is a negative belief system that's been established in your heart somewhere along your journey on your road of life. Uh, Negative expectations can be against yourself, others, authority figures, or even God. And many of these are established on a subconscious level, which makes them more challenging to work with. So a lot of times we're generally not even aware that we're holding on to negative expectations. Yet all of them need to be recognized, um, and the Holy Spirit will show us. And even now as, as you're listening, you may begin to want to ask him, to point out negative expectations that you've held because the detrimental effect and influence of these that they can have on our lives is very strong. And these can come from um, negative words that were spoken repeatedly over you or by you. Someone may have told you your whole life, for example, that you're stupid, you won't amount to much, and then you might wind up repeating those same things to yourself. And saying, well, I'm stupid, I just can't understand math, or I just can't understand history, whatever it might be as you're growing up. Um, Or you might start to say, yeah, I was told I won't amount to much, so I might as well not even bother, you know, education past high school or whatever the situation. I'm just giving some common ones. Um, But what happens when you hear those things and then begin to profess them over yourself, and this is not a... Uh, name it, claim it situation that I'm talking about at all. I'm talking 
um, about what we hear and then we, we have this tendency to repeat it over ourselves, it can produce this expectation that sets into motion um, a, a belief system inside of us that drives our behavior. And we tend to live up to or down to the words that are spoken over us, even if they are our own words. Um, and a lot of this, like I said, can be subconscious. But if you're constantly telling yourself that, you know, you're inadequate or you don't measure up or you lack intelligence, any number of, of negative messages, um, those things do very quickly get into your subconscious mind, also into your heart, also into your spirit man, and you can wind up living down to that level. And those things are not truth. The truth is found in our identity in Christ, which I've done several broadcasts about. Um, but this, the purpose of tonight is that you start to cut yourself with God's help if you tend to have talk that you say things about yourself and to yourself that do not match up with the word of the Lord because they can become self-fulfilling prophecies. Um, negative expectations can also come from your heart as it processes a negative experience, for example. And then as a result, it can create a negative belief system from that experience. So for instance, if you open your mouth to speak and then you're ridiculed for it, you could begin to believe a lie, and that lie might sound something like, wow, if I ever, if I ever open my mouth, I'm going to be put down or I'm going to be demeaned. And so I might as well just keep quiet because I don't have a voice that's going to be heard. And the list of these things is endless. Um, a couple more examples might be nobody accepts me for who I am or I will probably fail. Um, you know, those types of things. And when you say that repeatedly over yourself, you begin to believe it, even though it's not rooted in truth. So in terms of applying this, um, you can sort of go before the Lord and ask him to show you what negative expectations and beliefs do I hold which are feeding a certain problem in my life. Um, let's say it's inadequacy. Let's say it's rejection, and, and it is, you know, rooted in these statements that nobody's going to accept me for who I am. Ask the Lord to show you his truth about that. Um, and then he will give you truths from his own word about who you are in Christ that will counter these negative expectations. And this is a way of praying for yourself um, that's very powerful. If you take the time to sit in the presence of God and go through an exercise like this, you will be amazed at what he brings out because he's all about setting us free. And his word says that when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. Well, in order to know that truth, the lies first have to be exposed. <laughs> and um, the Holy Spirit is so faithful in our lives to expose what we're believing that is not truth, to expose those things that are unhealthy for us, that are to our own detriment and not to our betterment. So just taking some time with God and working on something like this can be transformational. Um, there are a few things that negative expectations activate 
based on scripture. And I'm going to read through these for you. Um, The first thing that negative expectations can activate is the law of faith. So often these expectations are self-reinforcing. So whatever you expect and believe will happen, it can end up happening in that way. Not all the time, but it can. And the Bible is clear to say that whatever one believes for, he will receive. And this is stated in Matthew 9, 29. According to your faith, be it unto you. And then in Mark 9, 23, it says, All things are possible to him that believes, makes even what appears impossible, possible. So even if it's unlikely that you would fail in life, if you believe you will and confess and keep repeating out loud that you're going to fail, there's a good chance that you will because that's what you're teaching yourself. So because you've sown a judgment or a belief system into your spirit saying that you're going to fail, this biblical law of faith is activated. And there's no weirdness in this. This is strictly based on scripture, letting us know how important it is about what we say to ourselves in our hearts and what we believe because we can end up subconsciously living in a way that aligns with that belief system. Um, So this is just a really, I think, one of the core pieces that we need to get a hold of when we're talking about changing how we think and renewing our mind. We have to identify those areas in which we've been uh, basically speaking lies, lies to ourselves that don't align with the truth of the Word of God. Um, another um, example of a ne- negative expectation in terms of what it can activate is it can activate the law of judgment. And this is based on Matthew 7, 1 through 2. Judge not that you not be judged. For with whatever judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So it talks here about a force that can come back against you, and by force I mean actions or words of others, um, that can actually be very similar to the harsh judgment that you've made about another person. So an instance of this would be if you judge or expect people to be unfriendly towards you, they will likely be unfriendly towards you because you end up acting in a way that either closes yourself off or you become unapproachable. And so you can see how this belief actually causes the very thing that you dread to come upon you. That comes from a verse in Job, that which I have dreaded has has occurred or has come upon me. Um, also, if you judge or expect others to be friendly, you might perceive them to be friendlier toward you. So again, it's it's what your belief system is and then how you act on that belief system. This is not some formulaic, uh, you know, oversimplified process that I'm describing. This is based on the word of God that, you know, we reap what we sow, and I'll get into that more later. But when we uh, harshly judge someone else, um, it kind of goes to that same judgment can be used back against us. So we want to be careful of how we judge or expect other people um, to act and to treat us um, because we can bring about, again, um, either for good um, or in the negative sense of if we believe we're going to be rejected, there's something called preemptive rejection, which I talked about last month, 
um, where you wall yourself off to such extent, such, such an extent, and you isolate yourself, and then pretty soon people don't really approach you because you've kind of created an environment that isn't safe for them to do so. So it does work in a cyclical fashion like that, but the good news is it can be broken. So um, another example of a negative expectation um, in terms of what it can activate is the uh, law of honoring, loving, and fearing. And this is based on 1 Peter 2.17. So rather than a negative judging of others, the Bible tells us what our attitude is to be. And it says, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And again, that's 1 Peter 2.17. So remember that we do receive back the judgment that we send out Um, When we disdain and harshly judge others, we might be cutting them off um, from something that was intended to happen in their life for the good. Um, God may have had something for that person, and um, we may interfere with what he's trying to do in their lives. Um, Also, Exodus 20, verse 12, talks about um, if we're judging our parents in a harsh way, it says our lives will not go well. Um, there are a lot of verses that talk about honoring our father and our mother. Um, so that's kind of an example of this. And to generalize this whole principle, in any area we judge anyone, our lives will likely not go in the direction we hope that they will. We have to be really careful with judgment. This is different from discernment. We are told to be discerning, especially in this day and age. We are told to not let any man deceive us. So judgment and harsh judgment is not the same thing as asking the Holy Spirit to help us discern. This has to do more with a fleshly type of um, condescending judgment on another person. That's what this piece is about in terms of um, tearing down strongholds and false belief systems in our lives. So the last negative expectation that activates um, scriptural truths in our lives that I'll talk about is the law of sowing and reaping. And I think most of us are familiar with this. Um, So according to the law of sowing and reaping, we must reap a harvest in light of of what we have sown. I've heard a very um, notable preacher, Dr. Charles Stanley, he has a saying, and it's this. He says that we reap what we sow, we reap later than we sow, and we reap more than we sow. And he has something called a Life Principles Bible, I believe, and that's that's captured in that Bible. So um, the the scripture that follows that is Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. So in the, in the context of, of expectations, this would mean that you should expect judgments to come back to you in the same ways that you've made them. And for instance, if you've made a judgment against people who are, let's say, overweight, you might find that you put spiritual laws in motion um, through that judgment that come back upon you. Or if you judge somebody, let's say, that, you perceive to be, I don't know, um, struggling in an area of uh, anger. 
for example. Um, you, if you harshly judge them, you can wind up becoming an angry person yourself. So again, it's that sowing and reaping. We have to be careful that we are not elevating ourselves above somebody else, judging their sin as if we were God, and then expecting good things to happen in our lives. We have to be really careful about this area. Um, So it's just something to be aware of, and we want to take our thoughts captive into obedience to Christ, not that we don't discern, but this is about harsh judgment. This is about uh, sort of a shaming condemnation about our brothers and sisters in the Lord, Um, constant criticism, that type of, um, so we have to be really cautious with that. So uh, it's kind of a summary of negative expectations would be the seed of judgment or negative expectations is sown into your spirit um, if you continue to repeat some of the things that we've talked about that I just mentioned, and it sends a message and it can get down into your soul. Like I said, it could be I'm programmed to fail, so therefore, please respond to me in that light. This is subconscious. Nobody nobody really talks like that. But it's almost a setup. This goes to self-sabotage. This goes to self-fulfilling prophecies. Um, and people can hear and receive messages that you're sending to yourself and then respond in kind. It's a complex thing to explain in a 45-minute broadcast, but... Um, the the point of it being is we need to really watch how we judge, what we judge, why we're judging, and then what comes out of our mouths as a result of that judgment. And um, I can't stress this enough. There's a lot of great teachings available on this topic. Um, I think the enemy will um, use harsh judgment that we may hold against other people to cause division, to drive a wedge, um, to bring conflict, to take joy away from a relationship. He uses this type of thing against us. And so we need to be vigilant and be aware um, of his tactics and not fall into this. God is God for a reason. He's sovereign. He's the ultimate judge. He's on the throne. We're not, and we don't have to try to do his job. And we shouldn't try to do his job. Our job is to be discerning um, and to be cautious in how we view his creation, um, while at the same time understanding there may be boundaries that need to be set for various reasons and so forth. But we should never set ourselves above another person. I always say the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Okay, uh, the final thing that I will get into tonight, just in the interest of time, is something called inner vows. And some people also call these oaths or inner oaths. And inner vows um, really are the promises or statements that you make inside yourself as a result of a negative experience that you had. Um, Inner vows follow and correspond to negative expectations. So inner vows generally are also made subconsciously. Um, And I want to give you a biblical basis for this before I go any further. Um, And this is based 
on the passage of Scripture found in Numbers chapter 30. I'm just going to read verses 1 through 16. I feel like a topic like inner vows really needs to have its biblical foundation laid um, so that what I say from this point forward will um, serve to make sense as I explain it further. So so this is Numbers uh, chapter 30, verses 1 through 16. Then Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes of the son of, sons of Israel, saying, this is the, the word which the Lord has commanded. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to bind himself with a binding obligation, he shall not violate his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Also, if a woman makes a vow to the Lord and binds herself by an obligation in her father's house, in her youth, and her father hears her vow and her obligation by which she has bound herself, and her father says nothing to her, then all her vows shall stand, and every obligation by which she has bound herself shall stand. But if her father should forbid her on the day he hears of it, None of her vows or her obligations by which she has bound herself shall stand, and the Lord will forgive her because her father had forbidden her. However, if she should marry while under her vows or the rash statement of her lips by which she has bound herself, and her husband hears of it and says nothing to her on the day he hears it, then her vows shall stand and her obligations by which she has bound herself shall stand. But if on the day her husband hears of it, he forbids it, then he shall annul her vow which she is under, and the rash statement of her lips by which she has bound herself, and the Lord will forgive her. But the vow of a widow or of a divorced woman, everything by which she has bound herself, shall stand against her. However, if she vowed in her husband's house or bound herself by an obligation with an oath, and her husband heard it, I hope you're noticing the theme here, but said nothing to her and did not forbid her, all her vows shall stand, and every obligation which she bound herself shall stand. But if her husband indeed indulges them on the day that he hears them, then whatever proceeds out of her lips concerning her vows or concerning the obligation of herself shall not stand. Her husband has annulled them, and the Lord will forgive her. Verse 13, every vow and every binding oath to humble herself, her husband, may confirm it to her husband or, um, or her husband may annul it. But if her husband indeed says nothing to her from day to day, then he confirms all her vows or all her obligations, which are on her. He has confirmed them because he said nothing to her on the day he heard them. But if he indeed annuls them after he has heard them, then he shall bear her guilt. These are the statutes which the Lord commanded Moses as between a man and his wife and as between a father and his daughter while she is in her youth in her father's house. And you may be wondering what in the world does this mean and what does this have to do with the fact that we're under, no longer under the law but under grace. The first thing I'll say is the Old Testament is in, is in the New Testament revealed and the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. So, Yes, we are under grace right now, but that does not mean we ignore the entire Old Testament. There are principles in the Old Testament that hold true, and they're timeless. The whole Bible is timeless. But it's just in terms of certain things that we need to know, um, even though we are under grace, that vows and oaths were taken very seriously. That's the whole point of Numbers 30. Vows and oaths are taken seriously, both in the eyes of the Lord 
in the eyes of a spouse and in the eyes of a parent, specifically mentioned here, a father and a daughter and a husband and a wife. But on that basis, inner vows, like I said, are promises or statements that you make as a result of negative experiences. So I'm just going to give an example. If you were hurt, let's say you're nine years old and you um, were abused in some way or physically abused or, or verbally called names, something like that. In your little child's heart, you probably said something along the lines to yourself of, well, I'm never going to let anybody get close to me again because people will just hurt me. So an inner vow typically has an always or a never statement embedded within it. A nine-year-old child does not do this consciously. (laughs) Inner vows are sneaky that way. You don't necessarily realize that you're making them at the time. Typically, when you become an adult and you notice patterns in your life, that's when you can take a look back and begin to do some searching on, is it possible that I made an inner vow when I was younger, when I was hurt, that's causing me to continue to react in ways that are unhealthy or that are isolating. And this is something else that is so helpful to take before the Lord and to ask him. He's so faithful to point out to us where we have made these types of inner covenants with ourselves or inner vows with ourselves. And so I encourage as sort of a, um, as sort of a follow-up to this broadcast, if, if the Lord should lead you, to think through, have you made any inner vows in your own heart? Because what can happen is you think you're building a fortress to keep hurt and pain away, but your fortress becomes your prison. So, yes, you might succeed in keeping pain away because you've built up walls, but also you've prevented other people from coming in. You've prevented others who want to care about you from getting close enough to care about you. And that can become a true relational struggle when you're trying to form healthy bonds with other people. Um, This is probably the number one thing I come across in my practice is people have made an inner vow early on that they won't let people ever hurt them again. So they respond from that vow and push people away before a person has a chance to get close to them. Um, I'm going to give some examples now. Um, And um, I'm going to give examples of, I'll start with a negative expectation and then the resulting inner vow. So I'll say a negative expectation might be I believe or I expect, and then the resulting inner vow might start with therefore. So negative expectation, I'll probably fail. Inner vow, therefore I won't try. Negative expectation, nobody likes me. Inner vow, I will be unfriendly first. Negative expectation, I'm stupid. Resulting inner vow, therefore I won't do my best. Negative expectation, I don't deserve a good life. Inner vow, therefore I won't try to improve my life. Negative expectation, people don't accept me. 
inner vow. Therefore, I will put up a protective wall, which is exactly what I just was discussing. Negative expectation. Strong men don't cry. Resulting inner vow. Therefore, I will stuff my emotions. And that goes for both genders, by the way. Um, A lot of people don't feel safe showing that type of emotion and then they stuff emotions and that's a whole nother broadcast on what happens when you stuff emotions. Um, Just a couple more examples. Negative expectation. Christians are all hypocrites resulting in our vow. Therefore, I will never trust a Christian. And negative expectation. My sin is unforgivable resulting in our vow. Therefore, I will hide from God. So you can see the power that this type of thinking can have. And you can see how it can carve out a path for your life that is not the path that the Lord intended for you to walk. So, you know, I always say that the first step to all of this is knowledge and awareness. So once you're made aware that these things exist, then you can begin to to work on them. Then you can go to the Lord and he will begin to show you different hurtful situations that may have caused you to speak uh, or to say in, in your heart an inner vow. He may start to show you areas where you've used always or never um, to try to keep yourself safe or protected. Um, however he would use this, I just encourage you to let him um, bring into your heart and into your awareness that which he desires to do so that you can be free and you can live life to the full and live life more abundantly because that's what Christ died for us to have. Um, Just in conclusion tonight, one last thing as we wrap up this two-part series on changing your mind. Um, The other element that I, I would be remiss in not mentioning is this concept of family line assignments, generational sins or curses. Um, This is a topic that is debated. It can be controversial because once again, there's a camp of biblical scholars that say this no longer applies to New Testament believers um, because it was abolished when Christ um, died on the cross and took on. Um, our sins and iniquities. But on the other hand, there's also a camp of scholars that believe there can be generational iniquity. And iniquity means a bent towards, a bent towards something. If you take a medical example, a physical medical example, like diabetes type 1, that is something that can be hereditary. Heart disease can be hereditary. So if you look at it from the standpoint Yes, we're New Testament believers, but Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So if you look at even how medical things can run in family lines, they'll often ask you at a doctor's appointment, does this run in your family line? Does this run in your family line? It's just a fact that some of these things can be passed down. Um, Two sets of diabetic, a set of diabetic parents, there's very likely that if there's several children, that one or two of those children might wind up with diabetes. So it's, there's a truth to this, even though, yes, it does come from uh, the scripture in um, Exodus that says curses can be passed down to the third and fourth generation out. 
yes, that's from Exodus. But I believe there's still some truth to this as we look at it from the standpoint that there can be a bent in a family towards a particular type of sin. Um, There can be a bent towards drug addiction, for example, within a family line, a bent towards uh, gambling addiction, a bent towards immorality, a bent towards, um, you know, idolatry or laziness or whatever the situation may be. There could be a bent towards that, and the children can pick up on that. And that's how these things can be passed down from previous generations. Um, So... The good part also, though, we have to remember is from Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says the blessing of obedience to God is passed down unto a thousand generations. So people that are living for the Lord, it's, it's, it's kind of innumerable. I don't believe it's, it's exactly 1,000 generations, although it could be. But the point of that passage is that as you live a life and you walk in a manner worthy of what the Lord has for you, that will be then uh, passed down as a bent to your children and your children's children and their children. So it can go in either direction. Um, and so it's a, it's a good idea to take a look at, is there something in my family line? And, and with my patients, I use, I think it's a, almost four pages of a, of a questionnaire with, with various issues listed. Does this run? in your family. And I'm not taking a medical history. I'm sort of doing a spiritual assessment and a a mental health assessment of things that might run in family lines. Um, And those are things that as you look back to, if you can remember back to a great grandparent, that's four generations, um, looking at your family line and seeing, okay, yeah, there is a bent towards this. There is a bent toward explosive anger in my family. There is a bent towards substance abuse in my family. You know, and then, then you become aware that that may hold more power over you than someone whose family does not have that same bent or has different bents. So that is sort of um, the perspective that I use when it comes to looking at how things can run down a family line in a generational way, um, not necessarily as under the law, but just in terms of us having a flesh and um, being human beings on the earth and how things can run through and uh, family lines because children will often model and take after the parent. Um, so you can also pray a prayer um, just to ask the Lord to break off um, those things is kind of a standing in the gap for the ancestors that came before you and just um, praying that the Lord would break off anything coming through the family line that is unhealthy or is not in line, align with his word. And this is something that can be really powerful. Um, it's not that it's a one and done. So a lot of times this is a process where you might pray it the first time, you don't notice a different but you also have to take measures and steps in your own life to not make provision for the flesh in that particular area where you know your family line has a bent. So it's cooperating with the Holy Spirit as you acknowledge um, what exists in your family line and then as you work to not walk out that same path with the grace and strength and help of the Holy Spirit. So 
on that note, and as I notice that our time is coming to an end, I truly hope that this series um, was helpful for you. We've looked at a a number of different subtopics kind of under this main general umbrella, changing your mind and how understanding and renewing your mind can transform your life. And I just encourage you to really let the Lord um, work in your heart and in your mind. That's where the real transformation happens is when you get alone with him and sit before him and ask him to show you. Um, what might be causing issues in your own life. And he gives you the grace, the knowledge, and the strength to begin to overcome those. So I just want to thank you uh, so much for listening this evening. I hope you'll uh, join me again next month for my next broadcast. And if you'd like to contact me directly at Healing Word, which is my private practice, please feel free to call me. It's 414 254 9862, or you can visit my website at www.healing-word.com. And I would just like to take a moment to close us out in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to present your truth. Um, I just pray, Lord God, that um, you would bless each person listening in um, all parts of of this earth that you've created tonight, Lord. You um, via your uh, your favor and your grace and the technology that we have, this message can go where you intend it. And I just pray that the, those that need to hear it tonight, Lord, would have ears to hear and wouldn't let this message just pass them by, but that you would prompt them, Lord, to take a closer look at some of the issues that we've discussed tonight, Lord. We thank you um, that you are ever willing and um, always living to make intercession for us. And you're also um, waiting for us to come to you, Lord God, and seek you out as we uh, desire to become healed and whole. And your work in our lives, Lord God, you deserve all the glory for it. I pray for those who are listening that if they want to go further on these topics that I've discussed either tonight or last month, that um, you would just continue to work in their hearts as they seek your help and your wisdom um, in growing in their their walk with you and becoming uh, whole at another level, being transformed from glory to glory, renewing their mind, Lord, taking thoughts captive, renouncing inner vows and negative expectations and false beliefs, Lord God. We thank you for how you will use this broadcast. I pray that it brings good fruit. I pray that you would bring comfort and peace um, and just a a strong reassurance of the the depth of your love for each person that's listening this evening. Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity, and we just give you all glory, honor, and praise. We submit this to you now in your glorious and holy name. Amen. So thank you again so much. I pray blessing upon your evening, and I also ask that God's richest blessings be upon you.